Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. If you're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player, Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and this is the show that I produce in Sydney, Australia, talking all things guitars. And over the last couple of years, the Iconic series has been added to the largely interview-based show. And for this, I am joined by my friends, Rob Rhodes. Hello. And Gabor Jessica. Hello. (laughs) Hello to you both. Fellas, we've been at this for um, a bit over two years. I know. It's been very cool. Great. None of us have aged the day either. No, no, no. We no. look great. No, no. We look great. I put lots <laughs> so... of Vaseline on the camera so no one can see it. <laughs> you know, we've got an AI filter making me look younger. So it's, uh, actually, oh, I, I might switch it and I'll look like Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> also a good look. Yeah. Also very good. So the Iconic Albums uh, series, we started off talking about some of our favourite records with obviously a guitar angle and we've kind of morphed into these kind of specialty shows which has been so much fun. So we're just going to jump straight in. Tonight's theme is Accidental Iconic Albums and Gabor, this was your idea. Do you want to tell us the the philosophy, the framework, the the uh, the we are uh, pursuing tonight? When I say tonight, we're recording tonight, ladies and gentlemen, but you can listen anytime you like. But but it's always live whenever you listen. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> you can phone in on 1-800 with your questions. You to, and if you have those special Apple glasses, you can watch it at any time live as well. So uh, okay, yeah, so Accidental Iconic. So the idea was um, that sometimes are albums that, or music, or maybe less now, but when I was younger, that... You know, I see a film clip on TV. I really like the song. I go and buy the album. And then all of a sudden there is really good guitar playing on there that wasn't necessarily anticipated. Uh-huh. Um, so that was sort of the idea. And do you guys know any, right? Which I think Rob was already cursing me before and shaking his fist at me. So <laughs> Yeah, well, we had that conversation last we week did. when we caught up for coffee we, in person. Uh, in, yeah, I know. We do uh, that every in, once in a while. IRL. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so I just thought, I just thought that, that there were a couple of albums. So, for, I mean, for example, just just as a, as a mention, as another album, not the one that I'm going to talk about, but another album, um, "Come Away with Me," Nora Jones. Um, oh yeah. You know, you don't necessarily think about it as a great guitar album, but then the guitarist Adam Levy on it is a great guitar yes. player. Has a great YouTube channel too, by the way. Actually, go and check him out if you mm-hmm. lots of theory and stuff like that. Beautiful playing. So stuff like that. You know, we hear a song, you go, oh, "That's a cool song." You buy the album and you go, actually, there's some cool guitar playing on there too without it being a guitar-specific album. So I think that was sort of the idea. Yeah, love it. Um, so should should I kick it off then with mine or the one I picked? Yeah, jump in, man. 
Okay, so the one I picked uh, was She by Harry Connick Jr. Now, um, She uh, was an album. So, Tinsu Winter, a little backstory for me, right? So, in the 90s, as you, if you listen to this iconic series, you may have sort of realized I was a bit of a sort of a, into the sort of grungy kind of thing, the whole sort of 90s punk thing, grunge uh-huh. thing. Uh, also, a little bit of sort of quirky music, stuff like Mr. Bungle and Primus and all that sort of stuff. But I was also right into uh, a lot of sort of funk, uh, also jazz, swing jazz, um, bands like the, you know, the bands like the Meters and Stevie Wonder and Prince and Average White Band and Tower of Power, all that sort of stuff. I was really into all that sort of stuff too. And I heard this song, um, uh, "Whisper Your Name," if I could only whisper your name, on TV. And if you watch the film clip, there's only a very short guitar solo on it, so the guitar solo didn't really stick out to me. But mm-hmm. I listened. I really liked the song. And back in those days, we couldn't just go on our phone and download the album and listen to it. We kind of went, you know what? I like this. I'm going to buy the album. And I bought the album. And the guitar playing on it is excellent. And it's that's sort of what I picked. Ex- accidental, iconic guitar playing. Now, so the, the album is from the year 1994. Um, all it says in the album is it, it was recorded. And I have the actual physical CD here. Me too. Uh, I don't have it with me, me like you oh, It's do. a great uh, album. I did take it out to read the liner notes. It, all it says is it was recorded in New Orleans or New Orleans. It doesn't really New say Orleans. what studio. Um, uh, uh, in 1994, and it was released on July 12, 1994. It was produced by a long-term collaborator with Harry Connick Jr., Tracy Freeman, who still produces a lot of Harry Connick's albums now, up huh. till now. Um, also a little noticeable little nugget, fun fact, the drummer and bass player on the album, so the drummer Joseph Zigaboo Modelist. You've got to be cool when you have a nickname like Zigaboo. Great name. Great uh, and name. the bass player, um, George Porter Jr., uh, were both founding members of the Meters. So they were both, hmm. they were the drummer, and oh. uh, George Porter Jr. was a bass player and singer of the Meter, original singer and bass player. Okay. So little, little nuggets, yeah, that. little Rob's fun fact, but by Gabor today. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, the guitarist on that album is a guy called Jonathan Dubose, uh, or sometimes also Jonathan Dubose Jr., depends. Um, he, sometimes they call him Jr., sometimes not. Uh, he uh, played with a lot of artists, particularly sort of in the gospel world, but probably the most noticeable other artists he played with uh, were Vanessa, Vanessa Williams and Angie Stone. Uh, and he still plays with Harry Connick Jr. from time to time. Um, yeah, so... Um, she, uh, by the looks of it, both of you have the album as an actual physical copy, so you both would have heard the album prior. So, Matt, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, we, like my family, I, I had this album in the 90s pretty soon after it came out. Yeah. That I don't know what what prompted that. Maybe it was the Whisper Your Name single as well, but... Um, yeah, just chock full of great songs, yeah. great performances, and for for the theme of this episode, killer guitar playing, wall to wall. Yeah, yeah. The '90s. I mean, you're talking about lots of different styles in the '90s. I was probably stretching out a little bit too. When I was younger, it was all about the really obvious guitar albums. So you know, like ACDC or whatever metal band I was into, because um, you couldn't miss the guitars. So, yeah. but as for me, and maybe maybe. Perhaps what you're saying, and I expect I know for Rob probably too as well. As we get a little bit older, you start listening to more stuff. 
um, you appreciate maybe some more subtlety. So yeah. there was heaps of that on, on on this record. I ended up seeing the tour when every tour to Australia '95 or '96 or wow. when it at the uh, the Encent oh, in okay. Sydney. And I think it was pretty much the original band. It was it was uh, Jonathan Dubois. Dubois, uh, on yeah. Dubois. Um, I don't know if he was junior or not for the tour, <laughs> but he was ripping, man. He was great player. He was going yeah. He's hard. A great, great player. So yeah, it was cool. It was um, yeah, great record. And the the tracks you're going to mention um, are all are all killers. Yeah. What, what about you, Rob? Yeah, I I think I bought it. I might have bought it in 94, maybe even 95, like a little bit later, after hearing that one track, Whisper yeah. Her Name. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think I might have heard the album or maybe I was the same as you heard it on the radio and it was just a short guitar break. And I went, yeah. oh, that's promising. And I like that kind of New Orleans sound, you know, that he had on that album because he's been a crooner. He's been a, you know, so many different things, Harry Connick. So for him to move into that sort of more pop gospel kind of area, it spoke to me. He's, he's even um, been a district attorney. <laughs> well, and he's been a judge on The Voice. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, sorry, American Idol, wasn't it? It was one and of those shows. Faces. Yeah. And no, The but, Voice, Law and yeah. Order, yeah, he was a district right. attorney. Law and Order. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, same as you. Like in 94, the other records I was listening to was um, – I just listed a few just to show how diverse, like, you know, you just stumbled across it and it is an accidental guitar record. But I was listening to Alison Chone's Jar of Flies, Pearl Jam's Vitology, Jeff Buckley's Grace, Bon Jovi's Crossroads, Screaming Jet's Tear of Thought and Diesel's Solid State Rhyme, which we've covered on an episode. Yeah. So when you throw Harry Connick into that, you're like, yeah, it definitely qualifies as an accidental guitar record because – I think every other record I bought that year was because of guitar. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is what kind of made this a tough, like, task. I think this topic. It was good. It was a challenge. Yeah, it's, that's I what I thought. It. It's it's not it's not the easiest thing in the world, you know, to pick. But I thought it's it could be fun, and and yeah, we'll we'll, we'll find out anyway after after yeah. <laughs> you you shake your fist at me a few more times during the, the podcast. But. We'll check the comments in Insta. <laughs> so the, the the three songs I picked were. Um, uh, Bracket, if I could only close bracket, whisper your name. There's a lot of brackets on this album, actually. Um, Mm. That was one song. The second song was Honestly Now, and then in bracket, Safety's Just Danger Out of Place. And the third song was Joe Slam and the Spaceship. Um, Yeah, so now basically, so uh, this is just what I sort of wrote down, right? So with Whisper Your Name, um, I remember seeing the film clip. I really liked the song. it's only the shortened version of the guitar solo. I bought the CD, very surprised by the guitar playing on it. The solo and the songs uh, on the song is a fair bit longer. It's some really interesting playing. It's a killer guitar solo. And it's yeah. actually in that song and like in a couple of other songs on that album, there's a whole different section. The song goes into a whole different thing specifically mm. for the solo. With a, It usually starts and ends with a cool little run. And then it goes to this completely different part for the guitar solo, which I love. I think that's great. Not enough people do that. Yeah. Where they, you know, a completely different section for the um, for the instrumental section. Should also quickly mention gear-wise, um, not sure what he was actually – there's no information on the recording. But live he seems to always be using um, a, a natural colored – what looks like a 70s Strat because it has the bigger headstock. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, with a maple board, so maple board, natural with white uh, pickguard strat. Um, a lot of times at Roland JC120, there are a few live clips where he had a Marshall stack behind him, which is kind of a bit of an odd thing for like a Harry Connick style band. But a lot of times you see Roland JC120 and in some clips, it looks like there's a green pedal on the floor, which I'm guessing is a tube screamer that he kicks in for some lead stuff. I mean, I wouldn't call his overdriven tone the greatest tone in the world, but I mean, if it's a JC120, yeah. Um, but his playing is insane and the clean playing is beautiful. Um, mm. Okay, so let's let's just go through the song. So I think we sort of talked about Whisper Your Name already. Should we should we should we talk about that or move on to the next? Yeah, one? Uh, I just wrote a couple oh, yeah, of things okay, down. Like the baseline instantly just pulls you in. Like you, you know, you, it's just one of those introductory things when you first hear it. You go, "All right, I'm in." Whatever the, happens after this, like I'm happy, you know. And then the cool little um, drum fill, and then yeah, yeah. Some, and then a horn section that's great, and yeah, yeah, and the little muted guitar, single note guitar stuff is so sweet. Yeah, and then I noticed like that little what you were saying, the little runs in, bit of a tip of the hat to back in black. You know, better, better. Oh yeah, yeah, it know? is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then into that killer guitar solo. But I actually love the piano solo after the guitar solo so much more. I love that uh, double yeah. time. Like, I don't know, would you call it ragtime feel? But yeah, he's just—it's so Harry Connick uh, Jr. It's, it's amazing. Have it's you so seen? Good. There's a there's a clip um, that goes that's going around where in that song he plays the solo, and the the. People are clapping along and they're clapping on a one and a three. Yes. And then he does this yes. little thing where he puts an extra bar into it and then they clap on the two and a four instead of the one and the three. <laughs> an extra beat, yeah. He, that's like cool. a bar that's of so five. great to do, yeah. That's, so, oh, that's, that's such a cool clip, yeah. Oh, yes, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, uh, Matt, anything else you want to add to that song? Um, I think you guys have covered it beautifully. The, I mean, the riff is awesome. That chromatic riff yeah. is cool. And it... The end of the song when the chromatic riff comes in again and the drums goes out of time um, with the rest of the bands. The drums are are freaky. That's so cool. So I didn't know the meters back in the nineties. Yeah. Um when this album came. So when you said tonight that it was the meters rhythm section, now that I know more about the meters, I'm like, okay, this sort of makes sense. Yeah. So I, lo- I love that too. Have you guys ever played this song live? Has it ever been called I on a gig? Always wanted to, but never. It, it just doesn't work. You need to have a brass section and you need to have a piano because otherwise it just doesn't work. You need a lot to make it work. I have played it somewhere. I can't remember what. It might have been a, a super wedding band, like a 20-piece okay, wedding yeah. band or something. I think I did a solo gig once at the Bull and Bush with tracks. Okay. And I think I yeah. did this and there was no one there, so nobody cared. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just picked some fun songs when I started doing solo gigs because I'd never really done them. So I started with all those MIDI-based backing tracks and there was one and I changed all the instruments that sounded like Gumby and Pokey and, okay. you know, <laughs> I changed all those MIDI sounds via the mm. Cubase sound library to make them sound a bit more real. Nice. And I had that song and I had some weird sting ones, If I Ever Lose My Faith in You. And so it's just weird oh, yeah. songs song that were, had cool guitar moments in it, you know. That's great. Uh, but I think that was the one-time thing because I just realized I don't want to do solo gigs again. <laughs> 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 I kind of <laughs> turned it up for a few years. Fair enough. Can I can I ask you guys a question as well yeah. without notice? You've both mentioned the shorter guitar solo on the radio edit. Yeah. 
when you know the solo's long and you hear the short version on the radio or, you know, sometimes for me I'm in Woolies and I'm 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 dead in the Woolies demographic because they're now playing all my favourite songs. <laughs> yeah. Which makes me makes me happy when I'm there, but it also makes me sad. <laughs> you know. So but do you ever do you get like angry or annoyed when you hear the short yeah. edit version? Yeah. Absolutely. Any songs stand yeah. out? Because for me, it's it's my life, Bon Jovi. They cut that solo oh, so yeah. short every time. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot with a lot of a lot of cool guitar solos are cut short, aren't they? That's it's annoying. Yeah. Or the fade out, the killer fade out, and then the the DJ just talks right over it. All right, we got two dollar fifty basic spirits all night long. That's <laughs> what a two dollar fifty. Right. That was a long time ago, actually. Sorry, that was. I agree. And the edit on this on this solo, like it's all the solo, and then you hear just the the, the harmony stinger note at the end. Yeah. The other bend. Yeah. And it's harmonized. Yeah. Yeah. And you think anyway. Anyway, okay, thank you. It's great, great. it's great. Back to you, Rob. Uh back to you, Gabor. Yeah. Cool. I mean that's that's that song. Yeah. I, I, I had actually a discussion with the drummer the other day about um the outro. Because I think the band, the drummer goes out of sync with the, but it's sort of a, uh, um, what do you call it? Syncopated. So it's, well, not syncopated. It's a, what do you call Polyrhythm. Polyrhythm, yeah. So yeah. they end up, it all ends up on the one, but from start to finish, they kind of go out of sync and then, but it ends up on the one when it ends. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. I forgot what I, what time signature the drums go into versus the guitar and the rest of the band. But yeah, it's cool. It's, it's really interesting it's so cool. outro. Cool. All right. Next song. Um, I reckon probably the best guitar track on that whole album. Honestly, now safety's just danger out of place. And it's one of those songs that you first listen to it, it first starts, and you kind of go, "Oh, there's a like a a really kind of depressing ballad, like sad Mm. sort of sounding ballad." Um, So this is just what I wrote down again. So it starts off as a ballad, acoustic guitar. Um, Once the band kicks in, the guitar doubles the bass. and also there's heaps of um, modulations going on. So this, the song starts in F minor, but there's also a few chords that are not in A minor, F minor that are sort of outside, but mostly F minor. Then modulates G minor when it goes to the instru- the first instrumental section. Because there's, so you've got the ballady part, then there's this run and it modulates mm-hmm. up a tone to G minor. And then there's an instrumental section without a solo, just an instrumental section. Then it modulates up again to A minor, another tone. And then the solo starts, which is a completely different part to the instrumental section. Um, so it's cool. So you have cool, like twice modulating cool. and two completely different instrumental parts. Um, and that's sort of when the actual solo starts, which is an A minor. Um it's sort of all over the place. There's cool harmonies all, that sort of sneak in and out all the way through as well. Mm. It goes for ages. It's a really long it's solo. It's so long. Yeah. <laughs> and then it Picked ends. a few long this. songs yeah. in, in this series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's a totally. seven, seven or eight minute long song, that one. And and mm. probably about five yeah. of that is the solo. <laughs> mm. um, now it, we're talking. It ends on another really cool run. Um, Sort of a lengthy kind of run. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's such a great solo and such, it, it, I mean, this is not just accidental iconic on an album. This is sort of accidental on, in a song. Like you would not expect that to happen in a song that starts off 
kind of like sort of dark ballady kind of song like that. Yeah, so yeah I, it's very it's, proggy. It's journey. Yeah, super proggy. Yeah. So okay, Rob, Rob, thoughts? Um, and yeah, I, I used to listen to this song a lot, um, but have revisiting it, just going, wow, you know, it's yeah. got a very throwback to late sixties, early seventies in that breakdown. You know, da 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 da. It's very like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple. Like it's got all of those signatures in there. So that I love it for that reason. And then the solo, you know, kind of kicks off like it could be Lukather. Yeah. You know, it's very like rock slash fusion-y, but it's got that heavily affected rack kind of sounding guitar, dripping in delay. And, um, and then he sort of tips the hat to... Eddie Van Halen, and even I hear some like little Nunoisms in there towards the yeah, end yeah. of that solo, and yeah, it's just man, it's it's not nine minutes wasted that shot that song, whatever nah, it is, but nah. it's like it really is quite a journey, um, and it just it makes you smile by the end of it. You're like, this is not yeah. depressing. Kind of starts out, you know, yeah. But, that whole um, album yeah, to me, beautifully is- crafted song. That whole album to me generally is such a, even though there's some sort of darker moments on there, but it's it's such an uplifting album, such a, and the the sad thing is how bad the reviews were. Um, it was really, I mean, people kind of like, you know, the critics kind of like whisper your name, but all are, everyone said, why does Harry Connick do, do this, go back to doing jazz standards? Because, I mean, he only did this and then he did Star Turtle, the next album, which was sort of his sort of. Yeah. And then he just went back to Karuna. And I think it's such a waste. There were such good songs. Both albums. My favourite's um, Here Comes the Big Parade. I love that song. Like, that Give me some of so that fried chicken. <laughs> so good. But I was watching the Beato um, Kirk Hammett thing today and he said Metallica are actually proud of the weird decisions, the albums that weren't well received or that are a bit strange. So like Lulu... And Death Ooh, Magnetic yeah, that's, that's and those songs that <laughs> created some controversy, he goes, because you need that in your catalogue because there's going to be fans that revisit your catalogue and go, this is really weird, but but then they like it for a different reason. Otherwise, yeah. you just, mm. oh, every album's the same and the critics are going to hassle you for being, you know, one album after the other. Like, they can't all be ACDC. You know, so they've they've got to have that. They've done well. Light and shade and diversity in your catalogue, and that's why they've lasted so long. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. I think some of the iconic albums we've chosen too have been sort of transitional albums. So, like when we did Van Halen, Rob, you picked um, Fair Warning, warning? yeah, which yeah, kind of a different album. we did Aktung Baby by U2, mm. which now sounds like U2, but at the time, it didn't bit of a sound shift. like U2 at all. No, yeah. yeah. And, and they're albums we chose because we loved them. So yeah. Yeah. maybe there's something in, in this. That's really interesting. Uh, okay, Rob, <laughs> um, honestly, now safety's to stay in the other place. Not Rob, yeah. Matt. Rob no, just did Matt, it. Matt, the other Rob. The other Rob. Uh, <laughs> Rob, <laughs> we're too. back on that. <laughs> the other Rob. Callbacks. Um, I think, oh, again, you guys, you've summarized it. So well, um, long solos, which yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, it it's funny because "Whisper Your Name" is really top forty, and honestly, now is really not top forty. No, no. and I love I love that about the album. So that's I guess perhaps back to that point um, about not everyone got the album at the, at the time. But yeah, 
the solo's going, and then he starts doing those bendy taps. Rob mentioned the Van Halenism. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, he's tapping. And he just keeps going for a while. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. It's, it's, it's not just like a one-off. It's He, he keeps it. And it's all really interesting it stuff. It's all like really diverse, too. the solo, from start to finish. Like yeah. you never, it's never just widdly widdly like, you know, just mm. to fill space and fill time. It's all has, it seems like everything has intention. So, um, mm. yeah. And then, yeah, that yeah, great yeah, yeah. run that's also harmonized right at the end. Yeah. Which is, yeah, loved it, loved it, loved it. Genius. All right, okay. Well, then the third song, last song I, I chose, um, again, a little bit different, but um, Joe Slam and the Spaceship. Now, that's yeah. kind of a more instrumental kind of tune, and that came out of a jam kind of thing. And uh-huh. to me, okay, so the funny thing with this is, so that's the song, uh, to me, that sounds the most like the meters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yet, yeah, I, get I can that. see that now. Yet again. it's a different drummer and a bass player on that track. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> You're messing with my brain with all this meter it's, stuff, Gabor. That track, I love it's it. a different drummer and a different bass player, but it is the most, it sounded, because I, I didn't know until I just researched this album that it was the drummer and the bass player of the meters. That was, I never knew this. Wow. That's something new. And then I went, oh, yeah, I listened to it in the car and I went, oh, of course, this sounds so meters. But yeah, then I looked in the thing, and that was one of the two or three songs with a different drummer and a different bass player. Um, but yeah, so what 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 I wrote down is it starts off actually sounding. Um, there's a song on the Mr. Bungle album Disco Volante called "The Bends." <laughs> Another callback. Starts off sounding like a Mr. Bungle album. It's really weird, quirky sound effects and that kind of strange sounding organ at the start. Okay. Um. And, almost sort of a bit avant-garde sounding, but then it goes into this really cool little um, instrumental thing with some interesting kind of guitars that kind of come in and out in different parts. Mm. Um, uh, and the thing I wrote down is very meters reminiscent. Even the guitar, it sound, that wah part on the guitar is very meters because, um, I mean, um, Leo Nocentelli, the guitar player in the meters, is sort of known for his rhythmic wah playing. Um, yeah, right. You can, uh, there's a great uh, video reviewing the Leo Nocentelli uh, signature wah on a YouTube channel that uh, I might mention later on. <laughs> Super fun, happy, awesome. Yes, yes, those guys. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's great. But yeah, um, That's great. okay, uh, let's that. go with Matt first this time, the other Rob. Matt, um, what, were you, <laughs> what were your thoughts? On, what's your thoughts on that song? Yeah, this is such a great track. I think what I I liked all the parts and stuff. I think what stuck out to me at the time was he had this really long groove and not I was waiting for someone to explode into a solo and it doesn't really happen. No. And it just showed me that you can just sit on a groove, sit in that super deep pocket and it's really cool. It's really cool. So I guess, yeah, a lot of the stuff I was listening to at the time was either pop or rock stuff or instrumental stuff when then. You know, it's a guitar-led melody yeah, or it's yeah. a, a horn solo or something. But this just kind of sits on that on that thing. It's so good. It's, so love that's, it. I find always when you have a lot of really high-caliber players, but they're all just restrained. It's not about showing off. It's about a song. It's about a groove, you know. that's To me, that's, that's always hats off with that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, some modern stuff that does that, I mean, in a different vibe, but some of the Wolfpack stuff. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's more just about sitting on sitting on the cool like groove. Yeah, on this groove and yeah, it's fun. Um, um, Matt, the other Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's a nice slow jam that's kind of reminiscent of the meters and maybe even Booker T and the MGs yeah. kind of got that vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it honestly, after about a minute, I usually skip to the next track. Okay. It's like it doesn't have doesn't have enough fireworks for me. Um, you in the right mood, yeah. Like I play it through, but yeah, it just reminded me when I was listening back while we were uh, researching this that I was like, oh yeah, I remember pretty much skipping, skipping this track most of the time after okay. the first minute. <laughs> I, to me, that's it's a song. Fair enough. It's a it's a driving home after a gig sort of wind down kind of track. That's sort of the, where you just sit there and it's just a cool groove and you're driving home and you're doing that. Uh, night at the Roxbury thing with your head. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. I had a two-hour drive home at midnight the other night, uh, and it's just headphones, Bon Jovi. That's the only thing that gets me home. It's interesting. We all owned it yeah. when it came out, yeah. ish, and um, sounds like we played it a lot. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. It's a great album, and it- that doesn't always happen. No, no. Sometimes it's two of us. <laughs> yeah. um, I, want I wonder who the black sheep is true. usually. <laughs> Occasionally one of us, Gabor. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. Good record, man. All right. So, yeah, I've, I found this kind of difficult and I had a couple of, you know, maybes. I put them in there. I took them out. Um, but I finally settled on taking the long way by the chicks, formerly known as the Dixie Chicks. They're not Dixie anymore. Now, no, and it was recorded in 2005 and six, and this record was like, there's a documentary about the making of this record, and it's amazing, and if you haven't seen it, it's one of the best music documentaries out there. Um, it, it's all on the back of them saying, we're ashamed that George Bush is from Texas when they were over in the UK touring. And the fallout in America was massive in the South. Mm. Oh, they would, destroyed would their music. They ran them over with steamrollers and set fire to everything, and, which is kind of silly because you're just burning money. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> Let's like, at least take buy a tour. the album so we can burn it. <laughs> at least take it to a, like a book exchange and get $2 for it or something, you know? Like, anyway, so I, getting sidetracked again. Um, it was produced by Rick Rubin. And it debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. So despite all of that, it went on to sell over two and a half million copies. Um, It won five Grammys, including Album of the Year, Record of the Year, and Song of the Year. And to give you an idea of why it's an accidental, iconic guitar record, two words, John Mayer. Right? So John Mayer is the guitar player. Oh, really? Uh, there is also Mike Campbell no from the Heartbreakers on this. Oh, wow. The drums yeah. are all Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Really? Oh, wow. Um, yeah. With, with percussion provided by Lenny Castro, who's been in Toto, played with Stevie Nicks, Eric yeah. Clapton and more. Wow. Um, Justin yeah. Meldal Johnson, oh, cool. who was for 20 years Beck's musical director, played with Paramore, Nine Inch Nails, St. Vincent I have and M83. <laughs> and... There's guest backing vocals and co-writers who include Bonnie Raitt, Sheryl Crow, and Keb Mo. Wow. I didn't know so, any of that. Man. Huge record, like a who's who. That's huge. Um, and so the first track I chose um, was Baby Hold On, and it was co-written by The Chicks and Pete Yawn. Huh? Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll 
I'll just I'll blaze through this one um, and then get your thoughts on track by track. Cool. So um, it kicks off with a beautiful acoustic guitar intro. It's got real Beatles vibes, um, and I love that descending progression, which is you know one of my favorites. Um, and how that last chord goes to the minor, um, it just it just creates that little bit of tension, which I've always loved. And the John Mayer solo. Um, it's just killer. It would have been very um, early in his career that he would have been pretty for 2005. Did you say? Yeah, so I think it might have been. Was that just before Continuum? Because he's really got that Continuum tone dialed right in. Ah, cool. That's interesting. Um, I never would have never thought. Because I yeah. mean, when, yeah, probably I guess Continuum well, maybe just was after heavier things, around about heavier things. When was that? Yeah, it could have been. If only we had a way to look it up. I- <laughs> yeah. I do have Spotify open so I can quickly navigate. Sure. Get that info. All right. So, um, while you're doing that, I guess, yeah, John Mayer, wow. Baby, hold on. It's got that really long fade out as well. Hey, well, it's not even a fade out. They just keep jamming. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Continuum was 06. Right. So, oh, okay. So, just before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Puts it right in at this time when they were recording that. So wow, okay. They would have been recording at nice. the same time. That's cool. Possibly. So yeah, thoughts on this track, boys? Gabor? Uh, yeah, I, I'm just blown away that that by all these people that that played on that album and I had no idea about it. Um, uh, I, I I thought it was great. Yeah, the the outro thing, the long jam solo thing. I just wrote down yeah. what a, what a cool long outro jam. That's basically all mm. I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, Matt. Uh, tone exclamation point. So again, the Mayor thing. It's you know light bulbs. Okay, that's that's cool. Um, just a great song, great song. And the the organs, like you know, we the three of us, we always talk about digging vintage organs, vintage electric piano sounds. So there's there's a bunch of that on on all these songs, I guess. But it's cool. Yeah, but great, yeah, Mayor, great, Mayor. Okay, key, actually the keys. It's coming. I mean, it's just a guitar podcast, but the keys generally are quite cool on all three of those songs. Yeah. But- I like it that we're into keys. <laughs> mm. um, it has a certain sophistication. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> but it's like, because then we can play less. Like, the, you can say more with less when you've got the keyboards there. You can play around yeah. them, you know? Yeah. Chord yeah. tones, all those types of things. So the second track I chose was So Hard. I chose I chose this song primarily for the baritone solo. That's cool. That's um, what I wrote down. It's actually question mark what, if it was dude, a baritone, yes. but yeah, it's, it's yeah. A cool there are much cool. better songs on the album, but from a purely guitar perspective, this just has some beautifully picked up arpeggiated chords, and again, yeah. sweetly recorded and layered acoustic guitars. Um, and John, I'm assuming, plays the baritone on this because no one else is. There's other guitar players mentioned, but I feel like they're lap steels and acoustic and dobro players. Um, he's He's credited as lead guitar, so um, oh wow, okay. He just okay. kicks in with that simple melodic baritone, and that always piques my ear when I hear it. As the sound, like the sound of a baritone, is so signature. Um, it's a cool what do you think, hey? Matt? Yeah, um, really meaty. Yeah. that tone, and I love the phrasing. Like it's really, I don't know if simple is the right word. It's it's very subtle and. Yeah, just clever, just clever, really cool, really cool. I remember reading an interview with Mayer around that time, or maybe it was around heavier things, and he was saying, you know, there's some frustration that I don't play more, like it's 
um, there's there's an idea that there's a producer holding me back. But he said, no, I'm that's how I like to play. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the trio records, he starts going a bit more bonkers, yeah. um, which is fun for everyone as well. We all love that. But um, yeah, that solo, it's, yeah, cool. Cool for the song. Love it. Gabor? Well, that's what I've got written down. Well, I've got written down baritone question mark because I wasn't sure if it was a baritone or it was something else. But um, less is more approach. That's what I wrote down. Um, it, 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 it's a great solo. Again, it kind of blows me away that that's Don Mayer. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, like with all that <laughs> stuff, the, the, the acoustic guitar sound, the, the, the sound of the, of the album is, is great. Like the, the, the acoustic guitars sound excellent. Yeah. Um and I mean the harmonies always sound good yeah. with them. But yeah, uh, uh just a less less is more approach baritone that's what I wrote down. Um really like that with explanation mark. That's I really like that solo, yeah. Cool. And the third song I chose was I Hope. And this is the one that's co-written by Keb Mo. Okay. Real gospel vibes. Ah. Um and was there ever a song more set up for a classic Maya solo than this one? Um, cruises along with that major feel and then John jumps in during the outro bouncing between the major and minor pentatonic blues licks and then throws in that little harmonized melodic lines it's yeah it's beautiful I love it it's such a well-constructed song and recorded the whole section is just a vamp over one chord like B minor uh B flat and that's syncopation too the guitar and the keys Mm. That's really cool. That's what, yeah, I wrote pretty much what you said, the harmonies, the cool harmonies that, that sort of sneak in every once in a while. And just the, the syncopation between the guitar and the keys, sort of they had almost answer call kind of thing. That's cool. I really like that. Matt? Yeah, um, some similar things to the other, to Baby Hold On, I think that long outro, I love it that they're just taking their time on this stuff. It's It's so good. And the production, yeah, I noted the production as well. The production for all of it is just beautiful, beautiful tones, beautiful parts. Yeah, it's a it's a killer record. Like, obviously, the single came out, and um, which was uh, what was the single? Uh, Not ready to make nice. Um, and even in that oh, song, yeah. like, it's great. And there's some really great country, dirty, bluesy. Songs like Love It or Leave Lubbock or Leave It. Um and there's some yeah, there's some just some really great guitar moments on that. And um yeah, so that was my choice for iconic album or uh, accidental iconic album, taking the long way, the chicks. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, a comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and the McNally Smith College of Music. I was one of the beta testers for the course and can say as a music educator, I was really impressed by the logical sequence of learning. The course has also been endorsed by players such as Brett Garson and Greg Cup. For more details, check out the links in our show notes. Alrighty, so we're talking accidental iconic albums. So I chose a '90s album like Gabor. I chose "Funk Odyssey" by Jamiroquai. Yeah, I I owned this album in the '90s. I think I bought it. I think it was maybe a, maybe a logical extension of some of the UK acid jazz I was listening to at the time. Although this was arguably more along the lines of future funk. 
or space disco or whatever they space were calling disco. I like that. Yeah. I hadn't heard that term <laughs> that before. Space <laughs> cool. disco. Um, I, I think I probably had. I mean, I know I played a bunch of these songs on cover band gigs. Um, maybe that's why I bought the album. I can't. I can't remember, but. I remember digging the record. Did you guys, were you guys aware of Jamiroquai in the 90s, 2000s? Pretty much from yeah. the first album. Like, Damn yeah, right. A friend of mine was into them and just like, you got to check this out. And then, yeah. yeah, followed every album up until probably this one. Yeah, yeah. And the Live in Verona DVD, I think, is the that last was great. thing I bought. In the rain. Yeah. <laughs> So, so good. So, yeah, I chose this album, I think, yeah, because I owned it and got into it. And, yeah, surprised, happily surprised at, at so much cool guitar playing. So the guitar player on this was Rob Harris. Now, this was Jamiroquai's fifth album, but it was Rob Harris's first album oh, okay. with the band. And he's pretty much been the the guy since then, still performing since, yeah. Jamiroquai now. Um, cool player. Cool player. Little little fun fact, little fun fact, little Rob's fun fact by Gabor. Um, the guitar player before was a guy called Simon Katz. Yes. Who then played with Gorillas and also with Sia. Yes. My, Gabor's fun fact. Thank you. Great, great fun <laughs> fact. Actually, I found that too, looking this up. I didn't know he was one of the Gorillas guys. Yeah. So that's, that's very cool. So this album, though, I think arguably it's got a few more guitar tones and textures Maybe to compared to some of the the early stuff, I don't know, but it's any of the catalogs good. Any of the catalogs good, but this album, um, three songs I chose. I'll bang through them and open for comments. Love philosophy, massive radio hit. What I love about it, it's got the funky guitars, but there's there's a lot of subtlety. So in the verses, it's like that AM radio kind of tone, scritchy scratchy, chicky chucka stuff, and then the chorus. Bit more full range, um, some unison bends, some slightly distorted stuff. This song is actually, I used to play it a lot in cover bands. It's really hard to play it with one guitar. I don't yeah. know how you did it. What did you do, Gabor? How'd you handle the one um, guitarness? Uh, I remember it not. It, it been trickier than, than than a lot of people think because he does that sort of slide, that bend and then slide in yeah. the um, yes. yes. yeah. That's the um, um that's the rocking all over the world status quo thing. Really? Yeah. Goes up two octaves. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Without a whammy pedal. Good ball. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, that's, 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 that's lame. You gotta you need to use a whammy pedal. <laughs> Sorry, that was a low blow. <laughs> it was two octaves low. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love philosophy. Thoughts from the from the, uh, yeah, I thought table. it was like it's an example of a pretty stock standard dance track being transformed by some really creative guitar ideas mm. and a really great out solo, especially on the aforementioned Live in Verona DVD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so cool. And I think there's one live um, in Abbey Road and he plays like a slightly different solo on that. It's a bit cleaner yeah. and, yeah. No, he's – Rob Harris is good. I checked out when I was – doing some research he's got a couple of solo tracks out recently on spotify like instrumental mm. guitar stuff and yeah it's good listen he's a creative he did, player he, he did a fair bit of touring with uh, leo sayer too played guitar for leo sayer over in europe um for a while um rob harris no i, I went to see them in brisbane for the the when they toured for that album 
And, oh, wow, um, cool. Yeah, it, I mean, the band is fantastic, but um, yeah. the, the, the main standout thing, and I think you can sort of see it in the live at Verona, but not so much because it's also hidden under the stage. You had a almost, I think, full stack, two two quad boxes, two 4x12s, okay. and a, a Hughes and Kettner triamp, yeah. like big sucker amp. Um, I guess that's where a lot of tones come from as well. And I think it's two heads. Um, okay. Was the Music Man Silhouette? Because there's a music, music man, man silhouette, player, white music yeah. man silhouette, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think these days he's playing PRS quite a bit and some, and some semis. I'd be interested to know what he's doing on that solo stuff, Rob. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought it was a of... music man cutlass or something. Um, okay, on the that I've seen in some of the promo for the solo stuff. Okay, yeah, cool. But yeah, definitely that silhouette he played mm. in this era heaps. That's cool yeah. guitar. Yeah, so but great live. They were so such a great live band, and and so many jam moments. And the guitar just he, he's a, he's yeah. a really cool guitar player, really really good. A lot of this stuff works so well live, and um, if you got a, a a really aware band, you can you can have a lot of fun with it. Mm. Yeah, there's yeah. another tunes. Cool corner of the earth, beautiful nylon string, um, Latin ish kind of influences. Not much more. For me to say on that tune, I mean the whole production's cool, but the the nylons, really nice touch. I love that the the orchestral intro and outro to that, and the, like I think it's in the middle as well. It's it's yeah. really beautiful, beautiful. Um, I used to play that song in a duo with a female singer. Uh, uh-huh. Without we didn't do the intro and outro, but um, um, yeah, it's such a cool little, quite a, relatively simple but great little um, um. Tune. It's yeah, really. That, that that was one of my favorites on that album. I think you can hear like the sympathetic strings on a coral sitar or something, Sounds and like um, it, yeah. so that sounded really cool. And the detuned, like Spanish nylon, is really cool. Mm. Um, but I kind of like how sometimes those nylon strings are recorded and they must turn the mic preamps up on the mixer because you know you're getting there's so much like depth and there's a little bit of like fuzz on before it cleans it up, you know, when he's hitting those big drop D chords in that orchestral buildup, but there's like the preamps are really working, you know, on those microphones and getting that look at the guitars to sound a little bit gnarly, which I was like. Yeah. It's kind of like got this hyper fidelity, Mm. the nylon in that tune. Yeah. That's cool. And yeah, drop D. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that because it's in D minor um, or kind of like a D modal thing almost. But yeah, D, like a minor mode. But yeah, the, yeah I hadn't thought. Yeah, tune, good old tune it down. I mean, it was the 90s where everyone was in drop D then. So <laughs> even this stuff. Yeah, well, it, is, uh, it kind of was a throwback to our cooler shaker vibes as well, you know, with that Middle yeah, Eastern yeah. kind of vibes and the sitar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And the and the wolf in the film clip, there's a a wolf that runs around in the film clip. Anyway, is there really? Yeah, I'll look that up. <laughs> Last track I chose. Uh, I mean, again, the whole album's full of cool stuff. But stop, don't panic. Has uh, got some really fun uh, guitar stuff as well. Thoughts from you guys? Um, I loved all the little stabs and the single note stuff. And who I'm a sucker yeah. for the waka chaka. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Waka, the waka Chuckers, yeah. Is that what we call man, it? That makes when sense. in doubt, Waka Chucker. Waka you know? Chucker, that's, that's... There's been many a white tree gig I've done where, you know, just 
got so many great musicians. The only spot for me is to Waka Chaka. Waka Chaka, yeah. And, I've, I've um, been there too. That's, that's yeah, it's the Nile Rogers approach the safe, too. The safe way out. Yeah. <laughs> Find that one note. But it's also quite contemporary. Like, even though it has those Nile Rogers vibes, Rob Harris has sort of brought it into the noughties, you know, um, with the yeah. use of whammy and sort of I could hear influences of Rage Against the Machine and Muse. Um, not the strongest song on the album, as you said, but I think it's a real showcase for what Harris can create, all the layers he can create. And, um, yeah, for that reason, it's great, a great listen. That's, uh, uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I, I agree, I agree. And, and Waka Chaka. Waka Chaka. Go, go Waka chaka Go forth and Waka Chaka. Thank you for that term. The um, <laughs> all the I mean all the fuzzy stuff too. Like there's some fuzzy bass, there's some fuzzy guitars, there's some fuzzy. There's some filters. stuff. It sounds to me like it's recorded direct. You know, when you record a guitar direct with a with a fuzz pedal and stuff, it sounds to me there could yeah. be some some of that going on every once in a while. I don't know. It's hard. There's so much going on in some parts that it's hard yes. to sort of tell what. It's hard to tell what's is what. a synthesizer. What's a you know mm. what's the guitar, but. It, there could be some parts that sound like a guitar going direct with a cool fuzz. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So there you go. Funk Odyssey, Jamiroquai. Rob Harris is a guitar player. Rob Harris was um, co-wrote so much stuff on that record as well, which was um, which I was kind of cool for his first one in there. It was quite rare too for Jamiroquai because I think – I'm not sure if it was – that album or the previous album, the, one of the main co-songwriters, the, Toby, whatever his name was, the keyboard player, left the band as well. Uh-huh. Because prior to that, it was mostly um, uh, uh, JK, the, the singer, he would sing stuff to that Toby guy. And okay. whatever his last name was, Toby, the, he was the main sort of other guy in Jamiroquai up until either the album before this or this album. And then he would kind of, Translate it into a musical thing, and then they would show it to the other people. Mm. It was mostly okay. JK wrote everything or wrote it kind of like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah, I was just thinking it, that he was sort of singing mm, it to singing people, the riff. It, yeah, it, right. down to guitar parts and all that sort of stuff as well. He was singing the parts to the people, and I think this was it was either this album or the previous one where the keyboard player left as well, and uh, Stuart Zender, the original bass player, left, and was and Nick Fife came in, who's a great player too, actually. Uh-huh. And then um, um, Simon Katz left and uh, Rob Harris came in. And I think he started letting other people in on the songwriting process a bit more. Okay. I think okay. he was less, he became less, this is me, you know. And um, Right. So it, it's, it's good to see sort of him, you know, d- diversifying by letting other people do some stuff too. Yeah, cool. Well, there you go. There's three accidental iconic albums. Yeah. I, I think people listening at home are probably thinking of their own. As well, this was a cool idea, Gabor. Thanks oh, thank for, you. for bringing it along. Great to revisit some of these records. Yeah, maybe, maybe the listeners out there in in on yeah. social media somewhere, leave a note. Let us know what are your favorite accidental albums. Totally, totally. My favorite moment was um, just shocking you guys with the <laughs> with the studio know. lineup for the Dixie Chicks album. <laughs> Mate, it just didn't stop. You just kept calling out yeah. famous names. <laughs> I'm sure I left a couple out, but no, they were the big ones. That's cool. So, Rob, when you're not surprising uh, your fellow iconic roundtable pals with uh, 
with uh, the the band lists. What um what are you doing? Where where can we find out more about you? Uh, gigging, 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 and more gigging. Living in the seventies, living in the eighties. All the information can be found at roadtripent.com. Fantastic. And Gabor, when you're not cranking out the nineties Harry Connick records, what are you? What else are you doing? Not much more, really. That's about it for me. Uh, no, um, uh, uh, well, uh, for example, like I mentioned before, if you want to uh, uh, watch a video where we um, show off uh, the uh, Leonard Chantelli from the Meters signature Cry Baby yeah. why not go to the Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show? That's all one word because we don't do spaces. The Super Fun Awesome Happy Time Pedal Show on YouTube and Instagram and uh, uh, Facebook for the older folks. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. And also our podcast. We're sort of doing it more regularly again now. The podcast, our podcast as well. So, so that's great. Um, check it, check it, check it, check it. Seems to be the check place it. to check out new Fender Paranormal series too. Yeah, yeah, the, the mm. Squire Paranormal and and Squire, and, yeah. and little scoop. I mean, depending on when this comes out, but uh, uh, the Made in Japan um, Aerodyne special and uh, Elemental series. Which are unsurprisingly good guitar. Oh, they're great stuff. They're lovely, lovely, lovely. All right, well, that's about it from us. Big thanks to Fretboard Biology, sponsors of the show. Please check out the links in the show and the special deal going on at the moment with those guys over there. Thanks to Rob and Gabor. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in. And we just like to leave you with just some words to live your life by. And we found there's none better than Michael Schenker, who once told us to... Keep rocking. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking. Indeed. Indeed. Catch you next time. Bye.